You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Y'all can have a seat. Hey, everybody. Happy Launch Sunday. Yeah. Am I the only one? Yeah, there we go. There we go. If, uh, if this is your first time here, I just want to extend a special welcome to you. My name is Father Sean McCain. I'm the rector here at Resurrection South Austin. And you have picked, like, the best Sunday to be a part of the life of this church, if you're just here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We are right smack in the middle of a series that we've been doing through the book of James called First Fruits. And we've been looking at the generosity of God, rediscovering, getting a fresh glimpse at this lavish over-the-top, abundant generosity of God on us. Now, the psalmist tells us the, the, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything is God's. And so that means for us, everything that we have, all the gifts that we possess, everything that we can look at our life and say, man, that's good, that is actually all a gift from God. James even tells us in the first chapter, from the Father of lights, he gives us this gift. So we've been asking ourselves, what does it look like then to be good stewards of these gifts of God? This is what we're calling the series First Fruits. Now, last week, Father Jonathan, he talked to us a little bit about what it looks like to be stewards of others. Do you remember that? Especially the poor, the marginalized. How do we include them in what is happening in the kingdom of God, which is including them? How do we announce to them, you are part of this, you are no longer on the outside? That's what it looks like to be a good steward. We looked at that last week. This week, and we have a lineup of some pretty intense scriptures, wouldn't you say? Those wouldn't be the scriptures that you'd say, now let's, let's launch a church on those ones. But actually, I think it's... I think it's just right on. We are looking at this week what it looks like to be stewards of our words. God has given us a great wealth and a great power in our words. And so we're going to be asking the question, what does it mean to be a steward of of our words? Some of the most memorable times in my life, and I know if you guys just think about it for a second, think of the most amazing words you've ever heard or maybe the most amazing, most meaningful words you've ever given to someone. Immediately, what comes to mind is all the years that my mom would send me to school with my lunchbox and she would write little messages on my napkin, like, you know, little jokes sometimes. Sometimes my dad would say something. But all, what I remember, the thing that stuck out year after day after day at school were these little notes that from mom that would say, I love you. Written on a little napkin. They're so important to me. Maybe another one for some of you and for, for certainly for me was that moment at the altar when you say to your new bride or your new groom, I do. Man, those, those two words carry so much weight, and we remember them, don't we? Another moment that is really powerful for me is when my first child, Mateo, was born, and I was holding him in my hands, and my parents, who couldn't be there because I think they were overseas at the time, were, they had called us up, and they were on speakerphone, and my dad was praying a prayer over the phone with me and my newborn child, and my wife and I were in tears. It was such a moving moment, and it was all full of words. Words were able to communicate and carry this this sacred, powerful weight and create these moments, these realities that stick with us forever. They're so powerful. They also mark some of the most toughest times in our lives. Think of being on the receiving end of really harsh criticism, maybe some hatred, maybe racism, exclusion. Words can do so much damage on the receiving end of really harsh words. They have the power to build up, but they also have the power to destroy. And that's what we are seeing in Scripture. And maybe there's also those words that you just wish you had always said. You had this moment and you didn't say those words, those regrets. Some of our most memorable times in our lives have so much to do with words, don't they? Now think about this. 
All that in view. Think about this. Everything that God has ever wanted to say to you. Of everything he wanted to say. And by the way, this is the God who spoke the cosmos into existence and into motion. This is the God we're speaking of right now. Of everything that God wants to say to us. It can be summarized like this. I love you. The big I love you that God wants to communicate to us. He doesn't just actually say it with his words. He doesn't even just write it down. But this word, scripture has told us, has actually taken on flesh and blood. This message of God, this I love you, from God himself has actually taken on flesh and blood in the person of Jesus. Jesus is this word of God, this message of God that is being delivered to the world. Jesus is the word of God become flesh and blood. I know that that takes a lot to kind of wrap your head around. But of all the things that God is trying to say to you, it's seen in the person of Jesus. In his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and in his ascension, we find the word of God. When we look to Jesus, now think of those stories we read in scriptures about Jesus. When we look to him in his life, we see God's message of forgiveness, even to people that don't deserve it. We see a message of hope, even especially to those who are hopeless. We see a message of love, to those that were condemned and the world said they don't deserve love, we see all of these words of God delivered to these people. This word of God isn't just like any other word. This isn't just like the words that you and I say, but this word of God, this cosmos creating God with his words, has given us everything in the person of Jesus, this message. And this changes everything. This changes everything. There's nothing excluded from this, including the way we speak the way we steward our own words. Our words, if we understand this, if we're getting our heads around this straight, if we're we're following Jesus and we understand that the word of God has come to us, we're realizing that our words are actually no longer our own. In fact, even our words are a gift from God. The fact that we can speak and communicate in any regard is a gift from God. So we're asking the question then, what does it look like to be a steward of those words? Are we stewarding God's message of forgiveness and hope and love, the message of the gospel, the word of God himself, Jesus Christ? Are we stewards of that message or are we tearing down, destroying, walking the way of death with our words? We have such a gigantic responsibility. If you kind of put this all in view, we have this incredible responsibility with the use of our words. Wouldn't you agree? This is exactly where James enters into chapter three. In verse 1, James is just basically setting us this huge warning. And he says this, your words are no longer your own. Those of you, especially those of you who teach, be really, really careful. You're given a responsibility that has such weight and such accountability. What a heavy responsibility we have to faithfully steward the message of God to others. So he's saying, let's not get this wrong. This is not something you want to get wrong, though we do all the time. He says, leaders, pastors, friends, parents, neighbors, spouses, don't don't neglect the power of your words. Your words can at once build up and in the same breath tear down and destroy. Consider carefully the use of your words. And so James, to just kind of unpack this for us and explore this, give us some more images, he uses words to kind of... He puts out all these images, these metaphors of what the power of words do, what our tongue can do. So he lays out the string of metaphor like, you remember that he said a rudder on a ship. That even in rough and turbulent seas, a rudder on the ship can actually hold that ship steady. 
Or maybe it's just that small spark that can burn an entire forest to the ground. These are like our words. And it's interesting, James knows, we can tame everything and anything. We can do so much. We can talk to Siri. We can like tame animals and species and stuff. But we actually cannot control and tame this little muscle in our mouth, the tongue. Like Peter. And whenever I read Peter, I'm like, that's my man. I feel you, Peter. I would do this. Peter makes the most life-giving, most truth-telling statement a human being can make, saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah. And then immediately, I mean, probably like four seconds later, Jesus rebukes him, saying, get behind me, Satan, because Peter's getting in the way of the plan and the message of God that quickly. I can relate to that. We can come on Sunday morning, celebrate this launch and, and sing the praises of God and then turn around on Monday, even maybe before we hit the parking lot, and begin to curse others and tear down with our words. It can be that quick. But James says, for you, for you, God's people, this should not be so. You are, remember, the first fruits, as James tells us, of God's new creation. You are the first fruits of everything that God is doing in the world, his message, his word, you are now the first fruits, the caretakers of that message. His word of mercy and forgiveness. And Jesus has found you, those who were lost. Jesus and his message have found you. Even when you were busy speaking lies and dealing death with your words, Jesus has found you. God's word of truth has been implanted within you, James tells us. Making you the first fruits, the recipients of the goodness of God. That's the change that's actually happening in those that follow Jesus. James's message to us is just really simple. We could summarize it this way. Look, be stewards of the goodness of God in your words as well, as well as everything else. But in your words specifically, be careful. Steward the goodness of God well in your words. Now, if you're here this morning and you, uh, you just don't know Jesus, Maybe you're checking out God from afar. You got some questions. You got some objections. That's totally fine. I'm glad this is like a wonderful place for you to be if that's where you're at. If you've not heard about the goodness of God, I just want you to listen to me real quick. It's really, really simple. And I want you to hear these words because these are some of the most life. This is the most life-giving message that you can hear. Jesus has conquered death itself. And all of sin, all of darkness, all of brokenness has been bound up and defeated in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why it's such a big deal to us. Because he's now king. Jesus is king. And not only that, but this is where it gets mind-blowing. This is where the message starts to get a little bit interesting. Jesus is now king, and we are invited to be his own children. Oh, man. We, those who deal death with their words that can't even tame the tongue, are now being scooped up and brought in. We're now insiders on the goodness of God and how it's unfolding in the world. So we now are invited to utter the most life-giving confession a human can make. Jesus, forgive me. You're king. You're in charge. Jesus, you're my rescue. With words, God invites us to turn away from our ways of death and our ways of destruction and our ways of brokenness. With words, God uses our tongue, he uses our mouth, he uses our words 
to actually invite us to participate in the newness of life that we find in Jesus with words, with our, with our confession. Only in Jesus do we find the words of forgiveness, the words of love, the words of rest, uh, restoration like this. Only can God bring life with words. And even the words that you utter that God gives you to confess something like, Jesus, you're my rescue. You're my king. God brings life even in your life. How badly, how badly our families need us to steward our words of the gospel, of the kingship of Jesus. How badly. As a parent, I think, oh man, my kids need, they need someone, a father who can steward his words well with them. As a spouse, oh man, how badly, how hungry are we as spouses or as friends to hear words of life, life-giving, building up words, kind of the kind of words you'd say, now that's something that the Lord would say. Those kind of words of the goodness of God. And so our sarcasm, not going to work. Lying, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Our manipulating with our words, it does violence to us and it dehumanizes others. It tears down. So this morning, God invites us into a new way of using and stewarding our words. Being reminded that we are given the gift of the word of God himself in Jesus Christ. This message of hope and love and redemption and the forgiveness of sins. God gives us this gift. And now we are no longer possessed by words of death. But we are now possessors of the word of life. Do you see the power in that? God invites us now to announce the goodness of God. To speak up about it. To speak up for the oppressed. Those who can't speak or are not heard. Those that are the refugees. God invites us to be heralders of the goodness of God and what that means for even refugees. For the unborn children, God expects us as his children of life, as his, as his followers of his own son, God expects us to speak up for those who don't have a voice, particularly unborn children. And the widows and the lonely, the orphans, does it, does it come into view what it means to be a steward of the goodness of God with your words for those people for their sake? Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that seem like way, a way more important, inspiring, way more robust, more exciting way of actually using our words to speak up and to protect and encourage and build up even the least of these? Resurrection. Listen, listen to me. Let's become fluent. Let's be a people who speak this tongue naturally the goodness of God. Let's become fluent in this language of life that we find in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yeah? Let's relearn to speak the goodness of God to others. Let's use our voices to worship God and practice the language of forgiveness again and again and again. Practice the language of mercy towards others, of grace towards others, of goodness towards others. This is the message of the gospel that we find in Jesus. Let's be fluent in the language of the gospel with the use of our words. This is why, by the way, we love the liturgy. This is why I love the, I know y'all love the liturgy, but I love the liturgy. One of the many reasons why I love the liturgy is this, because it actually teaches you a language to speak with that you otherwise weren't just, you just weren't really good at before. You're kind of like, you know, choppy and didn't make a lot of sense. You weren't just good at it. The liturgy actually gives us this language and action of the gospel that we are, we are invited to participate in and take on and learn how to speak with our bodies, 
with the prayers that we put in our mouths and we say that the liturgy actually gives us this gift, this wealth of words that we can practice and become fluent. This is what it looks like to use our words, to steward our words for the sake of the goodness of God. So we announce the goodness of God really clearly and succinctly in the words of the creed. Look what God has done. We stand in a minute and we're going to proclaim that. We're going to put those words in our mouth and say, everyone, listen. This is what it sounds like to tell the story of the goodness of God in the creed. We come to our knees in confession in a moment, relearning the language of repentance. I'm wrong. That's not some words that come naturally to us. Forgive me. We relearn the language of repentance. We turn away from brokenness and lying and deceit. And then we hear Christ's words spoken over us, to us. His words of forgiveness and absolution. And then finally, we come to the table to receive the word of God of all places on our tongue. Oh, man. You could just see how that's amazing, isn't it? We are rescued by the word of God that we consume in our mouth. We are rescued. Christ becomes king again, and we are made members of his living body once again. This is why I love the liturgy, because it actually teaches us this language of God's grace, this language of the gospel, that we might become fluent in that. Resurrection, can we do that? Let's lean into the liturgy as we worship and we continue to worship. May this not just be an in here on Sunday thing, but may this give us a language that we are then fluent in and we are sent out into the world as we're sent at the end of the service in the Great Commission. Go therefore, use this language now that you've learned to speak of the goodness of God to others. What a profound way, I think. What a profound way to begin this new season in the life of our church at Resurrection South Austin. Whether you're a Christian or not, it kind of doesn't matter. You're invited to learn. The invitation is for all of us. You're invited to learn with us the language of the goodness of God by following Jesus, who with the Father and the Spirit is one God, now and forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.